Good morning, everybody. This is Radio Maria for Just Life. We are joined by Simon John for his next episode on modern slavery set the down trodden free. Good morning, Simon. Good morning, Elizabeth, and good morning, listeners. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Uh, today, Simon is going to be talking um, in particular about the fishing industry after uh, giving us a bit of a reminder and overview uh, of what modern slavery is. And it's quite appropriate, I think, that you're in Cornwall on the North Coast um, to be talking about yes. the fishing industry. So thank you for joining us from what is no doubt your holiday. And uh, over to you. Indeed. Thank you very much indeed, Elizabeth. Um, we're we're going to talk, as Elizabeth said, um, about the about slavery in the fishing industry in particular. But first, I thought it'd be good to have a quick review for anybody who hasn't listened to any of the other programmes in this series or perhaps just picked up bits here and there. The series is about the global problem of modern slavery um, with approximately 50 million, yes, that's five zero million people enslaved enslaved, uh, on this planet in the 21st century. Um, And that is more people enslaved than at any time in history by many, a a factor of many thousands in comparison with transatlantic slavery. And 25%, a quarter of those enslaved people being children and two-thirds being women. Slavery happens everywhere in the world. Yes, right here in Cornwall and in Cambridge, throughout the UK, um, and in every community, hidden in plain sight. In other words, it's there. Uh, We sort of know about it, um, but it's at the same time hidden. Um, The purpose of this series is to help understand uh, what's happening and how those who are interested may rescue people who are enslaved by doing two things, uh, identifying them and safely reporting and also preventing further slavery by writing uh, to their favourite manufacturers, urging them to clean up their supply chains, and also by ethical consumerism. So slavery comes in many forms, uh, both in the sense of the activity that slaves are forced to endure, and in the sense of our enjoyment of the fruits of slavery. Yes, there are fruits, benefits of slavery for us, the consumer. Uh, Before I go on, I should explain this isn't merely um, government frontline services, the police, countless NGOs such as the Salvation Army or the Catholic Medi Trust. and the Catholic Santa Marta group, and countless members of civil society like myself who are desperately concerned about this problem. 
No, um, it goes much higher than that in terms of the Catholic Church. Pope Francis and our Cardinal Archbishop Vincent Nichols both have spoken out at great length on the subject. Um, and in a future programme, I'd like to give a, a more than a flavour of their robust and very direct comments as to what we as Catholic Christians should be doing about it. Pope Francis has said, for example, that a wound that, that slavery is a wound upon the body of Christ. And he goes on to explain that every time we buy goods or services, it, it is not only a commercial transaction, but also a moral decision. It, it, it's sometimes helpful, I think, to look at slavery as coming in direct and indirect forms. Um, I, I will experience a direct form of modern slavery if I go to a cheap car wash in my local town, typically costing me between four and seven pounds, and I'll be enjoying the direct services of a slave washing my car. He will be identified quite easily because he'll be poorly dressed for the work. He will look pretty miserable and marginalised. Um, when I pay, I pay directly to the boss. The worker w isn't allowed to take my payment. The likely enslaved workers may all have been trafficked from somewhere like Romania or Albania. They may live in a dilapidated caravan or a shipping container on site and they'll be paid little or nothing so that they just managed to survive and carry on working. Right here in the UK, right now in the 21st century, there is a high possibility that a man who goes to a brothel or a woman who goes to a nail bar, not that those two things are comparable, uh, will be directly employing a slave. It's far from impossible that one of our listeners is employed as a domestic slave, never allowed to leave the house, has to sleep in the kitchen or even a cupboard under the stairs and gets paid little or nothing and lives off the scraps from her master's table. There are the direct forms of modern slavery. Um, these are those forms, uh, but we choose not to notice them today. We can make a different choice, and that is to notice. We can use our, our eyes to see the suffering of these people around us, marginalised and downtrodden. We can spot the signs of modern slavery by just googling that term, finding one of the many websites uh, that describe what the signs of modern slavery are, and then safely reporting what we see to the modern slavery helpline on 08000 121700. That's 08000 121700.
Um, indirect slavery, or what's usually called slavery in supply chains, is everywhere. We almost certainly choose to enjoy the fruits of that slavery when we buy a bar of chocolate for 70 or 80 pence that doesn't have a fair trade logo on it. In that case, it's the slavery of desperate children working on a cocoa plantation in West Africa and dying after a few years in that employment. This has been well known and the subject of well-publicised scandals for the last 20 years or so, but we seem able to forget that when we want to buy a bar of chocolate. Slavery in, is in the supply chain when we buy cheap clothes, such as fast fashion. We know this when we read on the BBC News this morning about the Shane fast fashion group linked to Muslim Uyghurs in concentration camps in China and Uyghurs in forced labour picking our cotton again in China, in the Xinjiang region of China. Slavery is in the supply chain of so many goods. Coffee, tea, cotton, electronics, batteries, and so much more. We know we can avoid this, or at least decrease the risk of us enjoying the fruits of this distant labour by buying products marked fair trade and paying a little more, or buying less. In this series, we've talked about modern slavery in most of these sectors that I've just spoken about, but also in organ trafficking that we spoke about last time and in several other areas. But today we're going to focus on human trafficking and forced labour, uh, that is modern slavery, in the fishing industry. So in the supply chain of a lot of the fish that we can buy. Uh, as you're thinking, well, this can't be happening here, um, I'd like you to consider the December 2017 report in the Guardian newspaper headlined UK Police Rescue Nine Suspected Victims of Slavery from British trawlers. And in this report, it's uh, reported by The Guardian that nine African and Asian crew members working on a pair of British scallop trawlers were taken to a place of safety by police last week as suspected victims of modern slavery. The men who were reported to be from Ghana, India and Sri Lanka uh, were identified when one of the trawlers came to Portsmouth Harbour uh, last Thursday, says the report, because a crew member had suffered a head injury, the Guardian has learned. Five non-European economic area 
nationals were said to have been found on the vessel and referred by police to the National Crime Agency's mechanism uh, for investigating human trafficking. Four other non-EEA nationals were later reported identified on a second trawler at another port in southwest England and were also taken to safety. So there you have it. Right here in the UK, um, a couple of a few, just a few years ago, um, we have uh, reports of modern slavery happening on our own shores. I think it's probably fair to say that uh, slavery in the fishing industry is much less prevalent in the UK uh, than it is in other parts of the world, in particular in the uh, Pacific Ocean the, and the China Seas. Um, that might be a good point for a break and a hymn. Thank you so much, Simon. Let's have a listen to Amazing Grace, sung by York Minster Choir. Blind, but now can see. 
This is Just Life and this morning we're joined by Simon John and the next in his series Set the Down, Trodden Free and in particular looking at the fishing industry and Simon is live from Padstow in Cornwall. Thank you Simon, back over to you. Thank you Elizabeth. So yes we've just looked at um, a, a report of people people who were suspected to be slaves um, being found by the police in the UK. But the main area where slavery appears to occur in the fishing industry is in um, Southeast Asia. And there's an excellent movie on the subject, the review of which... Um, it gives a very good introduction. Um, the film um, is uh, about a young Cambodian man who was uh, tricked into the fishing industry in uh, Thailand, where it's particularly bad. Um, and the film is reported to be a, um, well, reviewed as being a survivor's graphic memoir and a feature film revealing horrific exploitation and violence on the high seas and a shame to the world's complicity. Uh, and it's about a young man um, who was, as I say, tricked into the fishing industry, he left his village to look for labouring work and needed to earn enough money to pay his his wife's impending hospital stay to give birth to their first child. And he intended to be away for a couple of months. But in fact, he wouldn't see his wife again for five years. Um, a middleman on the Thai-Cambodian border promised he could earn a lot of money drying fish. Um, he he uh, was sold into slave labour, sent to sea on a fishing trawler, and he was forced to work around the clock and through storms was allowed a maximum two hours sleep a day um, and two hours sleep at night, but was working for the rest of the time. Violence happened on the boat every day, and for the next four years, um, he, he uh, as a way of keeping the people who were enslaved on the boat online, um, he uh, said people would disappear off the boats without warning and were assumed to have been killed and thrown into the sea. Um, and, and one night he saw one Thai worker um, uh, kill somebody. Um, the, uh, he, he only returned home, as I say, five years later um, and found his daughter born in his absence. Um, there are many slaves who die in the ocean and their children don't know where they've gone, he, he said. Uh, this is a true story. Um, and the rest of the world um, is implicated in this slavery. Some of the trash fish caught 
by enforced labour on these boats get to use this pet food sold in supermarkets as well as used as cheap protein food in prawn farming. And there are an estimated 200,000 migrant workers from Cambodia, Myanmar and uh, Laos are prone to such exploitation um, by the $6.5 billion Thai fishing industry. Um, according to the RACS Thai Foundation, uh, but the figures are hard to confirm. Um, nonetheless, boys and men are typically tricked onto boats, um, bonded with a debt that never goes away. They're not being paid. They're trapped on boats, and it's particularly uh, violent. Um, in 2015, um, there was some help towards rehabilitation of some of the hundreds of boys and young men rescued in the Indonesian town of Benjina, which straddles two islands in the Indonesian province of Maluku, some 800 kilometers north of Darwin. The workers had been enslaved on Thai shipping trawlers for years, many incarcerated on the island's iron cages. Many of those workers had seen um, terrible things, um, including murders. Non-NGOs, such as uh, Hagar, attempt to give boys and men vocational training to repurpose their lives after rescue. Um, a number ended up just going back into the fin- fishing industry. Um, so that that that's a movie that is um, well worth trying to uh, to look at if one wants an idea um, of, uh, of of what's occurring. And the film is called Buoyancy, um, as in floating on the in water buoyancy it was uh, it came out in 2019 um and uh, I, I think it's on uh, i think it's on at least on youtube um if not on one of the streaming channels um so now i just want to turn to um a couple of um, papers on the subject, um, which are frankly pretty um, frank and clear. One is from the um, organisation Human Rights at Sea, um, and it talks about, first of all, um, as, as you'd imagine, um, the Geneva Declaration on Human Rights at Sea, which talks about those four fundamental principles applying to um, human rights at sea, that they're universal and they apply at sea as they do on land. That all persons at sea, uh, without any distinction, are entitled to their human rights. 
and that there are no maritime-specific reasons for denying human rights at sea. They can't say, for example, oh, well, this is at sea, so human rights don't count. There aren't any um, specific maritime reasons for denying them. And that all human rights established under both treaty and customary international law um, must be respected at sea. Sadly, they're not. Um, that there is a great deal of civil society work going on in relation to modern slavery at sea, um, and that change can be achieved through like-minded groups covering environmental, ecological, labour and human rights perspectives. Um, that there needs to be unified and collective, globally focused advocacy and related uh, lobbying activity. And of course, that includes us in terms of writing to um, our suppliers of fish. So when you buy fish, you can see its brand, you can write to the um, producers of the fish or the people who are marketing and branding the fish and ask them uh, to tell you about modern slavery in their foot in the footprint of those goods the risks of modern slavery that are faced by seafarers include them being abandoned we'll come to that in more detail but there are some fishing vessels which stay at sea for years uh, four or five years um, uh, as we've just heard about the individual in that film, buoyancy. Um, but also their wages can be withheld and the the, the consequences of uh, indentured servitude and debt bondage result in those wages uh, being withheld. Um, debt bondage arises when... Uh, an agency which has given you the job in the first place, enable you to get the job uh, into which you're tricked, claim all sorts of introduction fees and transport fees for getting you to the job um, and exorbitant interest on those fees so that you end up always owing them money and therefore not being paid. Um, Seamen's record books and other documents like passports are often withheld and that prevents anybody from getting new employment, therefore staying with the slave holder, um, if, if, if not uh, by uh, being forced, then by being unable to get new employment. Um, and also vindictive and violent behaviour by owners and so on. Um, so I'd just like to move on to um, the a, a description of what goes on in um, a, an example we're going to use, um, which is Taiwan. Um, in the 
fishing trade, um, Taiwan has a very poor record. It's one of a number of countries which do. Um, so, first of all, just a little about the country. It it has nearly 24 million inhabitants. Um, it's amongst the most densely populated countries in the world, and it's situated about 300 miles east of China, um, opposite Hong Kong, um, to the south of Japan and South Korea, and maybe a thousand miles north of the Philippines. Um, it is officially the Republic of China, um, and uh, consists or is, is part of um, uh, nearly uh, uh, 200 islands um, with a combined area of um, 13,000 square miles. Um, the main island of Taiwan itself, formerly known as Formosa, uh, has uh, mountain ranges dominating the country and the um, the capital is Taipei. Um, so, having just uh, learned a little about Taiwan, where this um, particular example is situated, um, shall we just have another break and go on to another hymn or song? Absolutely. You've chosen Bob Dylan's "Blowing in the Wind." How many roads must a man walk down Before you call him a man How many seas must a white dove sail Before she sleeps in the sand Isn't how many times must the cannonballs fly Before they're forever banned the answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. The answer is blowing in the wind. Yes, and how many years can a mountain exist before it is washed to the sea? Yes, and how many years can some people exist Before they're allowed to be free Yes, and how many times can a man turn his head And pretend that he just doesn't see The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind The answer is blowing And how many times must a man look up Before he can see the sky Yes, and how many ears must one man have Before he can hear people cry Yes, and how many deaths will it take Till he knows 
that too many people have died The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind The answer is blowing in the wind This is Radio Maria, just life and set the downtrodden free. Simon John taking a closer look at the fishing industry from Padstow in Cornwall. Um, Simon, you were telling us about the um, the Taiwanese fishing industry. Could you give any examples of you know the kind of situations people have have found themselves in? Yeah, sure. Um, but before I do, I, I I thought I'd just explain that maybe rather odd choice of Bob Dylan, um, a 60s folk singer, American folk singer, um, and uh, blowing in the wind. Because to me, I think it's a a great um, cry, a call to us all um, not to go around um, with our eyes closed and our eyes and ears closed, um, not seeing what's going on on around us. Dylan appeals to us to open our eyes, to um, see what's going on and do something about it, Um, as does Pope Francis in this field of slavery. Yes, so... Taiwan um, ranks among the top 25 seafood producers worldwide. And i just give it as, as an example um, of what's going on. Um, that there is an excellent report on um, this uh, uh, particular um, subject by the global, by global labor justice uh, part of the International Labour Rights Forum. Um, and um, so, as I say, Taiwan um, is is among or ranks among the top 25 seafood producers worldwide with an annual $3 billion industry. Taiwan also has one of the largest distant water fleets in the world, um, sporting more than 1,100 Taiwanese-flagged or Taiwanese-owned vehicles that fish in all of the world's five oceans. I'm going to come to that distant water fleet in a minute, but that's tied to the um, uh, situation of people being at sea for many years. Uh, and they are particularly vulnerable to modern slavery. Uh, The majority of workers on Taiwanese fishing vessels are male migrant workers from Indonesia, the Philippines, and Vietnam, including about 12,500 people employed in Taiwan's coastal and offshore fisheries, um, and 22,000 people in the distant water fleet. 
um, in 2019. These workers typically have low education levels and often have no prior fishing experience or may never even have seen the sea. Investigations have consistently revealed um, very egregious human rights abuses in Taiwan's fishing industry with problems ranging from dangerous working or living conditions and wage deductions to confirmed cases of forced labour, human trafficking, murder and disappearances of migrant fishers at sea. Human rights monitors emphasise that the wrongdoings on Taiwanese vessels are not sporadic, but are systemic and routine. Research has also revealed strong linkages between forced labour and illegal, unreported and unregulated uh, fishing. In recent years, the Taiwanese government has instituted legal and regulatory changes but NGOs find these changes to be insufficient and they continue reporting serious abuses. So in other words, the the government has done something but nothing like enough and it's still very bad. The majority of severe cases of abuse involve workers in distant water fishing fleets. This is due to a discriminatory legal framework that offers fewer rights and provisions compared to those employed in most labour sectors. Migrant fishers face extremely long periods of work at sea, ranging from six months to five years. The Taiwan's distant water fleet has a significant number of um, flag of convenience vessels which are purposefully flagged to countries with lesser regulations to lower costs and avoid scrutiny. Migrant fishers, fish workers, lack access to unions, service providers and actors who are able to monitor conditions on the high seas. You may be asking yourself, why, why, why is he talking about Taiwanese fish? We don't live in Taiwan here in Cambridge, um, but of course we live in a in a in a completely global world, and the fish that's picked in Taiwan may well then be sold into the UK. Uh, perhaps the biggest player in Taiwan's fishing industry um, is. Uh, a company called FCF, Fong Chun Formosa, which is one of the world's top three tuna trainers and acquired the major USA tuna brand Bumblebee in early 2020. Strange name for a fishing brand, Bumblebee, but there it is. Um, And that company operates 600 distant water vessels and has its itself alone got a, an annual revenue of one and a half US billion dollars. Um, and it connects Taiwanese fish produce to international markets and has been linked to forced labour by Greenpeace. Local 
NGO and unions, including those in the Human Rights for Migrant Fishers Coalition, have been leading a bold advocacy agenda to improve migrant fishers' rights. Um, They're advocating for legal policy and regulatory reforms, calling for greater corporate responsibility and raising awareness among the general public, all with the aim to ensure migrant fishers have decent working conditions and legal protection. Um, So it's quite clear that um, the fishing industry in Taiwan does have deep problems. Um, it, there are rampant lab- there is lam- rampant labour abuse um, of migrant fishermen uh, reported widely. Um, the fish that are exported around the world um, include sori and various different types of tuna and grouper fish. Um, so a little more about this deep and distant water fishing. Um, it refers to fishing activities outside a nation's, every nation's 200-mile exclusive economic zone, uh, whether on the high seas or in another nation's Uh, fishing area. The main methods used are tuna longline and tuna purse seine, stick held, dip net, sori, and the squid jiggling. Five countries are responsible for 90% of um, these, of this distant water fishing efforts. These are China, Taiwan, which accounts itself for 60%, and Japan, South Korea, and Spain, which account, which each account for about 10%. Um, Taiwan has one of the largest distant water fishing fleets uh, worldwide, second only to China, with more than 1,100 Taiwanese flagged vehicles and an additional 259 vessels that are owned or funded by Taiwanese nationals but flagged to other nations. The flagging of a vessel is the um, country or identifies the country uh, where it's formally registered and as discussed earlier, that those uh, countries are often identified by the owner of the ship as the countries having the least um, strict uh, regulatory and uh, legal regime. Um, however, um, the the real number of um, flag of convenience vessels is to be is believed to be at least three times bigger than the official figure. Uh, crew members spend 
years at sea per trip. The uh, the footprint of Taiwanese um, vessels of this sort um, covers all of the oceans of the world. Um, the operation of the vessels um, is made possible through bilateral fishing access agreements, including with Papua New Guinea, um, Tonga, the Marshall Islands, the Solomon Islands, Madagascar, Seychelles, Mauritius, for example. So various different oceans you can perhaps identify from those um, islands. And Taiwan's average annual distant water fishing production in recent years is uh, nearly 700,000 metric tons of fish. Um, so that's an, in, an almost incalculable amount of fish with uh, a value of 1.2 billion US dollars annually. Um, and the major seafood products include tuna, um, uh, overwhelmingly comes from these distant water fishing um, exercises, um, uh, not the offshore or coastal fisheries. Um, so that vessels often land their catch in foreign ports and sell their products to fish trading companies for further processing and export. Um, uh, uh, also, many of these um, distant water fishing vessels um, have their fish collected by um, so-called transit fishing vessels, which merely pick up fish from these uh, distant water uh, fishing vessels. The overwhelming majority of employees on Taiwanese fishing vessels are male migrant workers, with a large proportion coming from Indonesia, the Philippines and Vietnam. Um, in 2019, 12,500 migrant workers were employed in Taiwan's coastal and offshore fisheries. Um, and 20. 2, 000, over 22,000 worked in these distant uh, water fleets. Um, the majority of workers come from Indonesia, um, followed by the Philippines and Vietnam, respectively. In some cases, workers have no experience of working at sea, um, and there are no requirements for previous work experience. Employment contracts normally last for three years, and so the, the maximum period should not exceed 12 years, including contract extensions. Uh, that might be a good time for another break, Elizabeth. Thank you so much, Simon. And let's have a listen to Longing for Light, We Wait in Darkness. Longing for light, we wait in darkness. 
This is Radio Maria, set the downtrodden free. Simon, any final thoughts about the fishing industry uh, and modern slavery this morning? We, we will, of course, give out the modern slavery helpline if you've been affected by any of the things mentioned. Yes. Um, well, as you've mentioned it, um, shall, shall I give it again now? Yes, it's why not? 08000, so 08,000, Seven hundred. Um, it's well worth making a note of and keeping that number in case um, you're able to um, make yourself aware of the signs of bond and slavery. And then if you suspect something, anything, a slight suspicion, call that number. 08,000-121-700. But just to explain um, why... Uh, distant water fishers are um, in a much worse position than those in coastal um, waters. It's because there are different um, legal regimes covering them. So, for example, um, the the minimum wage in local fisheries um, is seven hundred and seventy. US dollars a month, um, but only 450 uh, US dollars a month 
in distant water fisheries. That, of course, doesn't mean it is slavery per se, um, but you can see that someone earning that amount, trying to send money home and live themselves, um, is not going to be very well off um, and therefore much more susceptible um, to uh, being abused um, when they're in such a desperate pos position. Um, there are, for example, um, uh, far fewer opportunities for unions, um, uh, no labour in inspections, and excessively long working hours, physical abuse, and even murders, forced labour, and human trafficking. Um, we, we mentioned in reference to that film review um, some of the, uh, the long hours, but uh, a quote um, from a, one fisher um, on a particular boat explained, we sometimes slept only three hours. It was like slavery. There were many cockroaches in the food and insects in the bedroom. I had a small boil on my leg which became swollen, so swollen that my trousers didn't fit. My tendon became taut. I shouldn't have been wor working, but I was forced to. Um, and they're subject to these things like recruitment fees uh, that I mentioned earlier, wage deductions and debt bondage, very degrading living conditions um, so that uh, migrant fishermen consistently describe extremely poor living conditions aboard vessels, citing a lack of food and drinking water, as well as sanit sanitation problems. Um, on offshore, these are these distant water fishing vessels, um, there are typically no toilet facilities, and accommodation is often narrow and insufficiently ventilated, um, among other serious safety concerns. So it, it, it may come as a surprise to many um, that this may be going on in our fishing industries. Um, indeed, it was to me when I first learned about it um, a number of years ago that there is relatively little one can do apart from, as I said, A, writing to um, people in the... writing to the... the um, managing director of um, the fishing production, the fish production companies from whom we buy, you'll see the label on your fish, asking them to, to tell you what steps they're taking to ensure that there is no slavery in their supply chains. Um, try and make sure that we buy fish um, from countries who abide closely to the rule of law, who have protection systems like uh, trade unions freely available. Um, so that would suggest most of Europe, um, but that when you buy fish from the um, southern hemisphere, 
um, particularly where it's caught in the South Pacific um, or around um, East Asia, one has to be worried about the issue of slavery in the supply chain. So that pretty well wraps up what I think I've got to say, Elizabeth, and I think we're just about out of time. Yeah, thank you so much, Simon, uh, for shining a light in this area, helping us to be aware of where our fish come from, asking those uh, potentially awkward questions, as you say. Um, I'm thinking coffee and chocolate, you know, we get the fair trade label, but fish we haven't really thought about where it's come from and whether it's been fair. So thank you so much. And of course, I just invite everyone to keep uh, those people in your prayers, those who are caught up in these distressing situations at this very moment. And thank you once again, Simon. And we very much look forward to the next episode of Set the Downtrodden Free and enjoy your time in Cornwall. Thank you. Thank you.